Welcome to Tuned to Yesterday, bringing you programs from radio's golden years. I'm your host, Mark Livonier. In this hour, science fiction, later on from X-1 from 1956. But first, it's Escape, with a broadcast called The Adaptive Ultimate. A CBS episode first heard on March 26, 1949. Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape, transcribed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are standing outside a room, horror gripping you. Well, before your eyes, seen through the transom window, the most beautiful girl in the world is about to die because of you. Today, we escape from reality with a fascinating story of a girl who lived a weird second life, as John Jessel told it in his gripping story, The Adaptive Ultimate. Daniel, I can't do it. You have a very interesting theory, it's but... It's more than a theory, Dr. Bach. I've proved it. It works. I tried my serum on tubercular guinea pigs, and it cured them. They adapted themselves to the tubercular bacillus and lived. <laughs> I tried my serum on a dog with rabies. He adapted himself, too. I tried it on a cat with a broken spine. The cat instantly adapted itself to its injury so that the spine had time to knit and heal. Don't you see what a tremendous discovery this is? Yes, perhaps. But think what that would mean in accident cases. There'd be no further need for emergency surgery. Don't you see that? <laughs> no matter what the condition, the injury to the body, a mere injection of my serum would permit the patient instantly to adapt himself to his condition and live. No matter what his injury. Exactly. A serum made from insects. From a common fruit fly. The most adaptable of living organisms. Tear off a wing and it grows a new one. Tear off its head even. Stick on a new head and that too will adhere in time. Think of imparting that same adaptability to human beings. <laughs> to grow new heads, it has merit. Oh, now, please, Dr. Bach. <laughs> all right, all right. No, seriously. I know this may be a great thing, but to permit you to experiment on a human being, no, The most I hopeless cannot. case you can find, Dr. Bach. Someone already doomed. Well... If someday I discover in the hospital a hopeless case, understand it will be hopeless. I understand. And if the patient shall consent, then you will have your human guinea pig. Well, Dr. Scott, you requisitioned for yourself a hopeless case? Permit me. Here is your guinea pig. What is it, Dr. Mott? TB? Yeah, final stage. A matter of hours at most. Mm -hmm. She might have been attractive once, but now, hair like string, skinny like a skeleton, and flesh like wax. Dr. Bart, you call this a fair test? I said hopeless, but I didn't say a corpse. The lady is returning to life, mm -hmm. such as it is. Well, Dr. Scott, I regret I have not a more palatable subject for your experiment. But this is what I promised, a hopeless case. It's all right, I'll try it. Oh, what's your name? Let me see, it's on the chart here. Uh, Velas. What was that? Her name is Kira Velas. Oh. Young lady. Mm-hmm. Permit me, I am Dr. Hermann Bach, chief of the staff, and I would like to introduce one of our promising young doctors. He wants a, a date, I suppose. Miss Zalas. Hello, Brown eyes. What? Your eyes are brown, aren't they? Miss Ellis, you see, I've perfected this serum. I like brown eyes. This, um, this serum might help you, but it has never been tried on a human being before. I... Well, I thought if you have no objection... What are the odds? Odds? Well, actually, you've everything to gain. And nothing to lose. Well... How right you are. Okay. 
I'm, I'm all yours, Brown. Go ahead. Experiment away. Dr. Bach, prepare her arm. Twenty-four hours and she is yet alive. I would have said yesterday it would be impossible she should survive the night. So it is now 48 hours and she actually seems better. But miracles such as this have happened before and without serums. A week and she still lives. Each day she becomes better. It is miraculous. The spots on her lungs are disappearing. The coughing is stopped. There is no sign of bacillus in the culture. But even more amazing, a reaction to abrasion, skin puncture. Yesterday I took a blood specimen. Before I had one cc, the puncture in her skin had closed. Yes, in 30 seconds. The ordinary person, it takes a day, two days for it to heal. With Miss Kira Zelas, 30 seconds. It is amazing. Then I will not dispute it. Your serum has worked a miracle. She is cured. And now I must just discharge her from the hospital. But, oh, Dr. Bach, oh, I... You had forgotten that time must come sometime, hmm? But you see, I must. She is cured, and we need the room. Well, oh, yes. Yes, I know, but... Well, well, she should be under observation. We don't know what effects will show up. I think, the... Daniel, you have an extraordinary interest in Miss Zela. I have asked her to come here. She is outside. Shall we invite her in? Why, yes, of course. Send in Miss Zelas, please. Now, observe well your miracle. Uh, Miss Zelas, come in, come in. Sit down. Thanks. Oh, hello, Brown. I... Hello, Kira. I have sent for you, Miss Zelas, because I have good news. Today I am discharging you from the hospital. Oh? Yeah? Today you are free to go. That pleases you? Madly. Kira, you have people, perhaps? A family? Aren't we all brothers and sisters under the skin? Miss Zelas, I will come to the point. I wish to make you a proposition. I mean purely a scientific... Yes, I know. An experiment. Yes, precisely. We are interested, Dr. Scott and I, to observe the further effects of the serum he gave you. Yes. I will pay you board and room and $30 a week. You will live at my house. I have a housekeeper, Mrs. Getz. She will look after you. Is that satisfactory? Wouldn't I be a fool to say no? Excellent, excellent. Does uh, Brown Eyes live there, too? No, but Dr. Scott will continue to have a clinical interest in the experiment. Miss Zelas, have no fear. Good. Yes. Well, it is now almost time for dinner. I will take you, Miss Zelas. You will join us, Dr. Scott? Why, yes, fine, Dr. Bach. Very well. We shall meet outside in, what, ten minutes? That'll do me nicely. Miss Zelas, you wish to wait here or maybe outside? A little I... fresh air? I think I could use a little air. Good. There is a little park across the street. You will find benches there to rest. We will meet at the front entrance in ten minutes. Some sort of commotion across the street in the park. Oh. Where is Kira? Well, I, I thought she'd be here with you. Perhaps she is still over there in the park. What do you suppose? Come on! Like the box. It is Kira. Kira, let, let me through, please. Kira, let us through, please. Officer, what's happened? What is this? Why are you holding, Miss Lady? You know this woman? Yes, of course. What is it? What's the matter here? Plenty. Your lady friend here merely walks up to an old gent about 60 or so, picks up a nice hefty rock, and beats his brains out. Officer, there must be some awful mistake. Yeah, her mistake. Cold-blooded murder. Come on, sister. There's the wagon. But, Officer, uh, you'd better come along, too, mister. Mona Lisa here don't seem to be much in the mood for talking. We need someone to tell the death sergeant her name. This is terrible seeing you here like this. I, I've got to get you out of here. I've got to help you. It's not so bad when you're here. Well, listen, this, this is all a terrible mistake. If you'll tell me what... Mistake? Well, well, yes, of course. You... Kira, you, 
you didn't kill that man. If I said yes, what would you do? Why, why I, I'd tell him you weren't responsible. I, I'd tell him about the serum. I'd, I'd tell him it was my fault that, that somehow the serum I gave you caused your mind to, to snap something. That, well, that would be the only explanation. You'd do this. Ruin your career, no doubt. Just to save me. Oh, yes, of course I would. And what would they do to me? I, I don't know exactly. Put you away under observation or something. Kira, we... Then my answer is no. I did not kill the man. Oh, don't worry. I won't be convicted. I'll take care of myself very well. I'll, as you say, adapt myself to the situation. <laughs> Right now, Mr. Salvatore, continue. Tell the court in your own words precisely what happened. This old man, you see, is buy circus peanuts from me every day. For months, every day. And this one day, he pulled out his pocketbook. It's a bill fault. And I'm a look, it's a stuff with the bills. The big money. He says, Salvatore, can I make a change for $20 and I'm a laugh? I say, Mr. I'm a peanut man. He said, get a peanut till you pay me tomorrow. He said, thank you very much. He turned around, and then here's this dame. She picked up, oh, oh, it's a great big stone, and it conks him. It's a murder. I object, Your Honor. Objection to first. Continue, Mr. Salvatore. Oh, there's nothing more to say. This dame, she bent over, and she reached in his pocket to take the money. I'm a grabber. People have come. Police have come. And Mr. Salvatore, can you describe this young lady to us? Oh, see, I remember her very well. She's, uh, she's skinny. She's ain't no beauty, you know. You got the black suit, the brown hair, eyes, uh, don't know, dark, you know, maybe brown or blue. Thank you, Mr. Salvatore. Your witness. Oh, Mr. Salvatore, you say that the young lady, the assailant, had brown hair and dark eyes? She, brown hair, dark blue eyes. And do you see the young lady in the courtroom? Oh, see, she's a sister right to... What's the matter, Mr. Salvatore? Are you pointing at Mrs. Ailis? See? May I ask the defendant to rise, please? Mrs. Ailis. Will you kindly remove your hat, please? Dr. Bach, look. Her hair, it's, it's become the color of aluminum. Your Honor, I submit that this defendant does not possess dark hair, nor, if you will observe, dark eyes. I am prepared, therefore, to submit a lock of her hair to be tested by any chemist the court may appoint to prove that the pigmentation is entirely natural. Now, Mr. Salvatore, do you still say that this is the young lady you saw in the park? I, I'm a think she's... Uh, is I, she? Mama, me, she, no! Good Lord, Dr. Bach, that hair of hers... Did you see it? It was the color of aluminum. She was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And so she has been acquitted. They call her innocent. Senor, I am a convert to your great principle of adaptability. But where will it end? You start with an idea. And you wake up to discover you have created a monster. But she was acquitted. It was all a mistake. Do you really believe that? Dr. Bach. Yes, Mrs. Chris? She is here, Doctor. She? That woman in the newspaper. Ah. Kira is here? You said she was so poor, such a church mouth. Ah, you should see her. What do you mean, Mrs. Chris? So fine, so great a lady. I'll, uh, I'll go and talk to her, Dr. Bach. Hello, Brown Eyes. Hello, Kira. Aren't you glad to see me? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Oh, congratulations on your acquittal today. We were there. I know. I sent it. I was hurt that you didn't come up and congratulate me. Well, there were photographers and I... Well, Kira, your hair, it's black again. Isn't it always? Don't you like it? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. It's beautiful. And I beautiful, brown eyes. Very, very beautiful. And are you happy to have me back? Hmm. 
did like brown eyes. Kira. Tell me, how do you like my new clothes? My gown? Why, it's very nice. Nice? It's exquisite. I have a whole new wardrobe, hat, shoes. Well, how, Kira? Where did you get the money? Money? You only had $3 when you left the hospital. Oh, <laughs> so I did. Kira. Kira, you did take that wallet from the old man. Oh, naturally. You, you... You did murder him. Certainly. Oh, come, don't look so shocked. Oh, I'm tired, Brown Eyes. You'll excuse me if I appropriate Dr. Bach's room. Good night. Dr. Bach, we've got to do something. Yes, Daniel, we do. I haven't slept a wink all night trying to think of what we can do. I've been here in the laboratory all night. I think I know. What? This serum of yours, it has accomplished a miracle, yeah. It is the adaptive ultimate. Changes that take the ordinary person days or months, she accomplishes instantly. She walks into the sunlight, she is tan. She walks out, she is pale again. When she is in danger, she adapts. She could survive the electric chair, the hangman's noose. She was in danger in the courtroom. She adapted. She changed her whole appearance at will, so she could not be identified. Yes, I know, I know. Oh, you must not blame yourself. You could not know what you were creating. Now, this morning, I operated on one of your guinea pigs. I found this. The pineal gland hypertrophied. That is what causes it. Well, then, then we could operate and... And maybe change her back. Yeah, but she can adapt to anything, anesthesia included. How can we operate? Unless we get her consent? Well, perhaps. Oh, you are dreaming, Daniel. Do you really think she will consent now? Now that she has power? Perhaps more power than any human being ever possessed before. Power for evil. And she has already killed one man, remember. But if we watched her, Doctor, kept her under guard... Yeah, yeah, again, Pygmalion falls in love with his Galatea. No, Daniel, no. She must be destroyed. We must perform surgery at once. Perhaps she'll die. She will go back to what she was. With but a few hours to live. It is best, Daniel. Yes, I suppose so. Yes? Yes, Mrs. Gertz? Hmm? Okay. What is it, Dr. Bach? And so perhaps she is also telepathic. She sensed what we were about to do, and now it is too late. What do you mean? Miss Zelos is gone. Disappeared. Dr. Bach, did you call for me? Yeah, Daniel. Have you seen the evening paper yet? No, not yet. Then here. After two months, there is news of our Miss Kira Zelas. What? Let me see that. Where? Oh. The surprise of the evening was the appearance of John Kellan, ambassador-at-large, diplomat extraordinary, the man slated to head the forthcoming World Atomic Energy Control Commission. Mr. Kellan, one of Washington's confirmed bachelors, squired the... the gorgeous Kira Zelas. You see... She has become gorgeous, our drab little urchin. Miss Zalus, the dazzling beauty who affects a dark wig by day and a white one at night. A great power of adaptability, courtesy of Dr. Daniel Scott. Dark by day, white by night. Well, what are we going to do, Doctor? Do? The world atomic energy control, the one real hope of world peace. Kira isn't interested in peace. What can we do? Surgery, I know. But politics? We must wait and see. You must wait and see how far your mad woman will go. Washington is agog with rumors about the romance between glamorous Key Rosales and John Callan, the newly appointed head of the World Atomic Energy Control, one of the most powerful political figures on the globe. John Callan leaves tomorrow for the crucial atomic energy conferences at Geneva, Switzerland. And sailing on the same boat as the exotic Miss Kira Zalis, with whom his name has been frequently linked. Rumor has it Miss Zalis acts as a sort of unofficial assistant to Mr. Callan, thus making her one of the most important women in the world. Glamorous, exotic, of such fragile stuff is world peace fashioned these days, Daniel. I wonder what she intends to... 
Some of the calling at dinner time. Oh, sit still, Dr. Buck. I'll see who it is. Yes? Uh, Kira. Hello, Brownie. May I come in? Why, yes, of course. Oh, ho. Our exotic guinea pig. Hmm? Good evening, Dr. Buck. I'm not intruding. Of course not. You're very kind. John and I, you've read about Mr. Callan. Oh, yes, yes. We're leaving for Europe tomorrow for the conferences in Switzerland. Yes. He had a series of meetings to attend tonight, so I told him I would stay here. You're staying here? I took the liberty of saying you were my uncle, Dr. Buck. Oh. John will call for me in the morning on his way to the airport. We're leaving at eight. I do hope I'm not too late for dinner. Not at all. In fact, we're very happy to have you here, aren't we, Dr. Scott? Kira. Hello, Browner. What are you doing out here in the garden? Waiting for you. You knew I'd follow you? Of course. Have you missed me? You know I have. Oh, Kira, listen to me. Do you love this John Callan? When I want love, I'll come to you, Brown Eyes. Well, then why? What is it, money? Money? I don't need money anymore. What does an empress need with money? Empress? That's what you've made me. The most powerful woman the world's ever known. <laughs> John Callan. He's supposed to be important. But in my hands, he's clay to be molded as I wish. Do you see what that means? Yes, I see. You hold the fate of the world in your hands. Exactly. To do with as I want. And I shall. Would you like to rule the world with me, Brown Eyes? Kira, you're evil. What is good? What's evil? Come here, Brown Eyes. Look at me. And forget such things. Are you asleep, Dr. Buck? Sleep? Who can sleep? Kira's insane, Doctor. Do you know what she's planning to do? I heard. Oh. Maybe, maybe we could get to this Callum. We... And then what? Well, if we could talk to him, tell him... Tell him, tell him what? Didn't I talk to you? Would you listen? Where is she? Oh, she's gone to sleep. I tell you, there's only one remedy, surgery. It is the only hope. But then. she'll never consent to surgery, Dr. Bach, and she's probably immune to anesthesia. Maybe not. Maybe not all anesthesia. What? Downstairs in my laboratory, I have a tank of ethyl chloride. You mean operate here tonight? Yeah, tonight. Right here, where she sleeps. onto the cone. Hurry. That ought to be enough to anesthetize an elephant. Onto the face, quickly. All right. Stand <laughs> tightly. Hold the floor. I'm trying. She's forcing my hand. I, I can't hold her. She's too strong. I can't. Oh. Did you think you could make me unconscious? You... You were going to operate on me. Is that what you were planning? Oh, are you going to slit my throat with that scalpel? Look. Kara, don't! There. You see? I plunge your knife into my heart. I withdraw it. And the wound is healed. Now, go away, both of you. I want to sleep. John will be calling for me at eight. Responsibility to civilization. We must find a way to destroy the carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide. It's a fundamental course. biological law. No human can survive in its own waste product. Carbon dioxide is human waste. <sighs> Dr. Bach, if we could fill the room where she's sleeping with carbon dioxide, she'd become unconscious. You could operate then. Who are you calling? The hospital. I will have them send over two tanks of carbon dioxide. You think it should work then? We must try anything. Hello, this is Dr. Bach. Let me talk to surgery. Now hurry, it is an emergency. The tube is ready. You sealed the crack under the door? Yes. You 
Close the window? Yes. All right. Let us start the gas. Oh, then, through the transom above the bedroom door, you will be able to observe her reactions. You placed the lighted candle inside the room? Yes, Doctor. I left the candle on the table. Uh, observe it carefully. All right. When it goes out, your Miss Kira Zera should be unconscious. Then, can you see inside the room from up there? Yes, Doctor. Candle is flickering, Doctor. Wait. No, it's still flickering. It, it's just gone out, Doctor. Excellent. It means there is now a concentration of 8 or 10% carbon dioxide. The average person would long since be dead. Doctor. Yeah, then, what? Oh, just a minute. Yes, yes. She's breathing much more quickly now, convulsively. Ah, she's still breathing. She's opening her eyes now. What? She's getting up. Getting up? Staggering. Holding her throat, Doctor. She's gasping. She's yes. moving toward the door. She's trying to unlock the... Oh, oh. She's seen me. She's trying to... What is it? She's collapsed. It's over. Yes? Now, do you do, Dr. Bach? I'm John Callis. John Callis? Yes, yes, of course. Come in. I haven't taken you away from anything. Oh, no, no. We were performing some surgery, my associate and I. I, I have a miniature surgery here for emergencies, and we have just finished. Is that the patient on the table? Uh, yeah, yes. Is she... Yes. She is dead. Too bad. Cheeky-looking creature, wasn't she? She was a charity case. Well, I, I won't keep you. Is uh, Kira here? No, she she changed her plans. She said there were some things she wished to do and she would meet you at the airport. Well, that's a woman's prerogative, isn't it? Changing plans. <laughs> yes. I'd better get a move on, then. Nice to see you, Doctor. I, I hope we'll meet again when I return from Europe. Yes, that will be nice, Mr. Callum. And good luck on your mission. Well, thank you, sir. Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. Well, Daniel, maybe we will get some sleep now. Then. Huh? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Doctor. I, I was daydreaming. She's lovely, isn't she? Lovely. Yeah, then lovely. May she always be in your memory. Escape is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Escape, on tuned to yesterday from March 26, 1949 on CBS. The program must have been in a mood for sci-fi or at least sci-fi authors. A week before, H.G. Wells, who was responsible for The War of the Worlds, The Invisible Man and the Time Machine, had a story of his featured called The Country of the Blind, which was heard on the Escape series no less than four different times. This is an hour of science fiction, on tuned to yesterday. I'm your host, Mark Livonier. Now time for an episode of X-1 called Bad Medicine, an NBC broadcast from July 10th, 1956. transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents... Tonight, Bad Medicine by Finn O'Donovan. 
on May 2nd, 2103, Elwood Caswell walked rapidly down Broadway. It was a gentle, misty spring day, and the air held the smell of rain and blossoming trees. But Elwood Caswell didn't smell the rain and the trees. He just gripped the loaded gun he had in his pocket. He didn't want to use the weapon, but he was certain that he would. This was justifiable. You see, Elwood Caswell was a homicidal maniac. Why shouldn't I kill him? Hey, look out, will you? Oh, sorry, sir. Only the other day he said to me, Elwood, you're looking very well. What business is it of his how I look? Hey there, Elwood! Elwood! Huh? It's me, Marty Klein. I work on the jet buses with you, remember? Oh, yeah, of course. Hello, Marty. Uh, forgive me, my mind was, uh, was on other things. Yeah, I know how it is. A couple of weeks ago, I was walking around a fog so thick you could cut it. Yeah, really? Sure. Preoccupied, you know. I had this idea in my mind. You too? Yeah. The same person? Huh? Were you troubled by the same person? My wife. Hey, you okay? Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Yes, yes, of course. Well, I had this idea, see? I was going to get rid of my wife. Killer. Killer? I mean, send her to a country for a week. Oh. You sure you ain't sick? No, I never felt better. Well, well anyway, I was going to take a week off. Quit the jet buses. Hey, can you imagine... I've been a jet bus operator for ten years now, and all of a sudden, I feel like I, I can't take it for another minute. I know how you feel. And I was going to take a trip all by myself. A trip? To where? To the farthest place I could think, to Mars. I was just going to pick up and take a vacation to Mars. Silly, huh? I don't know. What happened? Well, I talked it over with Ethel. Your wife? Yeah. Ethel, she's a real sensible girl. You know what she did? No, am I supposed to? Ethel went right down to that uh, home therapy appliance store, and she says, you got a home therapy machine that'll cure my husband of uh, this idea he can't stay on the jet buses? I've heard that those machines aren't perfected. They got him licked now. So, okay, she describes the trouble, and next day they deliver this thing, and, and boom, I plug it in, see, and... And? And a voice talks to me. He starts asking me questions. Yeah, what kind of questions? All kinds. Things I, I wouldn't even tell my own mother. You told the machine? Why not? It's only a machine. Yeah, I see your point. Well, then the machine starts to tell me a few things. And before I knew it, inside a week, I'm cured. Now, I I can't wait to go back driving the jet buses. You don't say. So that's why I say I, I know how it is to have one thing on your mind all the time like that. This machine, what did it cost you? That's the beauty part of it. <laughs> My Ethel. Boy, she's a smart girl. After a week, she sends it back, see? She says it don't work. So all we lose is a deposit. Uh, I see. Well, I gotta get back to work now. Hey, ain't you working the jet buses today? Huh? No, I'm off today. Well, I'll see you, I would. Yeah, see you, Marty. Uh, what was the name of that place? Where they sell the home therapy machines. Yeah. Uh, home therapy appliances. It's right down Broadway, about two blocks from here. So long, I would... Firing freely, Elwood Caswell continued down Broadway toward 43rd Street. His friend Magnuson would be finishing work soon, returning to his apartment less than a block from Caswell's. Elwood gripped the gun tighter. How pleasant it would be to saunter in, exchange a word with him, and then... No. No, I won't do it. I don't really want to kill anybody. It isn't right. Think what'll happen. The authorities will lock me up. My friends won't understand, and... Mother. Mother would never approve. Still, if I see Magnuson... If I see his hateful, accusing face in front of me... Oh, this must be the store. Yeah. Home therapy appliances. Good afternoon, sir. Can I show you some of our home therapy appliances? I, I want therapy. Quick. Of course, sir. This way, please. Now, then, this is our new alcoholic reliever built by International Combustion Motors and advertised in leading magazines. A handsome piece of furniture. I think you will agree and not out of place in any home. It also opens into a television set. Uh, what I need... A therapy, of course. I just want to point out this model need never cause embarrassment to you, your friends, or your loved ones. Notice, if you will, the recessed dial which controls the desired degree of alcoholism. You see... Heavy, moderate, 
social, light, and <laughs> teetotal. A new feature unique in mechanotherapy. I'm not alcoholic. The New York Jet Bus Authority does not hire alcoholics. Oh, sorry. You've seen the type. No offense. I, please. You seem rather nervous. Perhaps the portable anxiety reducer. No. Well, sir, perhaps if you told me just what you feel is bothering you. What have you got for homicidal mania? I beg your pardon? Homicide. The urge to kill someone. Oh, oh, of course. Well, let's see now. Uh, pardon me. Uh, have you worked here very long? A week. Oh, yes. Here's the ticket. This black job with the chrome trim. What is it? This, sir, uh, is a Rex Regenerator. Built by Planetary Motors Corporation. Handsome, hmm? Goes with any decor. Opens to a well-stocked little bar. So your family, friends, loved ones need never... Well, your homicidal urge a strong one. Oh, absolutely. Don't confuse this with the little 10-amp neurosis model. This is a hefty, heavy-duty 25-amp machine for really deep-rooted conditions. That's what I've got. Well, this baby will jolt you out of it. Big, heavy-duty thrust bearings, oversized heat absorbers, completely insulated, sensitivity range I'll over... i it. Yes, sir. With me, right now. Now? Before it's too late. I'll pay cash. Well, yes, sir. It'll be a few hours before the warehouse can... I'll take this one here. Well, that's a floor demonstrator. Does it work? All of our demonstrators work, sir. Then I'll take it. I can't wait for a warehouse. I can't wait for anything. Have it put in a taxi for me. Yes, sir. Tell them to hurry. I... I want to kill my friend Magnuson, you know. Who? My friend Magnuson. Oh, of course. That'll be $400.59, sales tax included. After Elwood Caswell left the store, the clerk, whose name was Haskins, smiled to himself and lighted a cigarette. He had made his first sale. He inhaled. Haskins? Yes, Miss Farnsby? Where's the floor bottle? Well, sir, the customer was in an awful hurry. He was going to kill his friend. You gave him the floor model? Uh, yes, sir. Was there any reason why... Oh, grief, Haskins. Didn't I inform you we never sell a floor model? But, sir... Good heavens! I've got to get to him. What was his address? Address? His name, then. Well, he didn't say. Then his check. He paid cash. You mean you just let him pick up the machine and walk out? Well, say he paid cash. He was homicidal, you say? Yes, sir. His friend... I don't care about his friend. Get the police. No, 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 no. Call the Planetary Motor Security Division. Quick. Yes, at once. Well, well... Excuse me, Mr. Farnsby. What will I tell them? Just tell them, you fool. Tell them that one of our customers accidentally got that display regenerator they sent us. The one they shipped by accident. They were going to replace it tomorrow. Yes, sir. The one they shipped by accident. Will they know? If they don't be more explicit, tell them we've sold the Martian model. The one for treating psychotic Martians. Meanwhile, Elwood Caswell had returned to his apartment and lugged the big black Rex regenerator into his living room. He put it down near the couch and studied it carefully. Now then, let's see those instructions. Place regenerator near a comfortable couch. All right. Plug-in machine. There. Affix contact band to your forehead. That's all there is to it. Just turn on the machine and it will do the rest. There will be no language problem since your regenerator communicates with you by direct sensory contact, patent pending. Well, that seems easy enough. Now, I'll just put the contact on my head. And... Blast it. Hello? Hello? Yes? Henry. Henry Magnuson. How are you, boy? I'm... Fine. I wonder if you're doing anything tonight. Thought you might like to drop over for a game of chess. Game of chess, sir? You stupid oaf. What? Nothing. I thought you called me a stupid oaf. I yeah, just talking <laughs> to my cat. <laughs> oh, I didn't remember you had a cat. I thought you hated cats. Oh, I do. Uh, this isn't really mine. It's a neighbor's. Uh, it keeps coming in. Oh. What about tonight? Will you be alone? Well, yeah. You haven't mentioned to anyone that you're inviting me over? Not a soul. Why? Someone's looking for me, uh, a process server. Oh. Yeah, I've been avoiding him for days. I don't even leave word where I'll be when I go out. You can trust me, Elwood. I'm your best friend. Yes, you are. But not for long. Huh? Well, will you be over? Yeah. In about an hour, okay? Yeah, an hour will be fine. There are a few things I have to do I first. I've just gotten some new laugh records from the boys at the office. I got something that's really curious. So long. I've got something here that'll kill you, too.
taking the revolver from his pocket, Elwood laid it on the table in front of him. His face became suffused with hatred at the thought of Magnuson. He poked at the gun with a stiff forefinger. Magnuson, you no good, shifty-eyed enemy of all that's decent in the world. The man who ruined my sister Irene. The man who... Oh, wait a minute. You have no sister, remember? Now, before you go off and commit murder, why not just try that machine just once, huh? Turn it on. Okay, now reach over and... Good afternoon, Elwood. I am your mechanical therapist. You may call me Gloop. Gloop? You seem surprised. It is a perfectly common name here on this planet. I've heard it many times. Now then, I am scanning the material in your free conscious with the intent of synthesis, diagnosis, prognosis, and treatment. Yes. I find... Hmm. This is a most unusual case. Really? I thought it was simple homicidal mania. There is, of course, no such thing. You are obviously hallucinating a set of symptoms. Nonsense syllables to enable you to avoid the real problem. Oh? Hmm. A most unusual set of symptoms, I must say. Your pilot light seems to be fading. My light is not fading. I am merely trying to relate your symptoms to proven theory. Well, as long as you know what you're doing. Mechanotherapy is an exact science, Elwood. It admits of no significant errors. We will proceed. Good. First, the word association test. Fire away. I will proceed to give a word. You answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. Ready? Ready. House. Home. Planet. Earth. Hmm. Hmm? Uh, just musing. Now, fleeful. Fleeful? Fleeful. That sounds like a Martian word. Just give me a response. Fleeful, hmm? Okay. I can make them up, too. Marfouche. That's a pretty good one, huh? Made it up in the spur of the moment. Marfouche is very significant. It is a corruption of the Martian concept of fouche clib. Very significant. I don't know any Martian words. Aha, uh -huh. noteworthy. We will proceed. Loud. Soft. Green. Mother. Thanagoyas. Pasamathanga. <laughs> How's that one? At ease. Nexosesmadrastica. Top that. Cateef of snow hell cannot disease. Okay. Rigamoo, Kalamazoo, Igri-Bibidi-Boo. Good. It fits the pattern. Pattern? Your neurosis. I can diagnose it now. Go on. You have a classic case of theme desire, complicated by strong dwarkish intentions. I could have sworn I was homicidal. The term has no reference. It must be rejected as nonsense. Now, if you'll just settle back on the couch... We'll proceed. At precisely this moment, a tall, gnarled, ugly man pushed his way through the doors of home therapy appliances. When the clerk, Hoskins, approached him, he flipped back his lapel to show a small silver badge underneath. John Rath, Planetary Motor Security Division. Oh, yes, sir. Mr. Follinsby, Mr. Follinsby. Yes, sir. Hello, Follinsby. Mr. Rath. Well? So far, we haven't a single lead. You certainly never mentioned his name? Oh, yes, sir. Now, think. Is there anything significant? Is it serious, Mr. Rath? Mr. Farnsby, this man is homicidal. Won't it treat him? Homicide is unknown on Mars. It'll treat him for the most likely Martian sickness. What would that be? Theme desire, Mr. Farnsby. It's a Martian illness in which the victim feels cursed by the tree-like nourishing parent. Although, of course, Martians don't have parents in the ordinary sense. Well, Haskins? I, I remember one thing. Mentioned he was a jet bus operator for the New York Jet Bus Authority. Ah. Uh, one other thing. Yes. I believe. Uh, yes, he was alcoholic. An alcoholic jet bus operator. Excellent. It'll be on his records. Get the Jet Bus Authority at once. But surely, Elwood, you remember your Gorisi? No. Tell me then about your juvenile experiences with the Forestrian Fleet. Never had one. Mm, complete blockage. My father... There is no such thing, of course. But... I thought we'd finally agreed on that. Okay, if you say so. Now then, since you claim you don't even know what a Gordesy is, tell me what you imagine it to be. Um, a forest fire. Uh, a salt tablet? A small screwdriver? Am I getting warm? A revolver? Uh-uh. What the heck is a Gorisi? Why, the tree that nourished you into puberty. No tree nourished me. You have completely repressed the experience. No tree ever nourished me. Mr. Caswell, let me try to explain your case as best I can.
Somewhere in your childhood, your Gorisy, or parent tree, stifled your theme desire. Now, this gave rise to your present urge to dwarf someone in a Flendish manner. To what? To dwarf someone in a Flendish manner. Listen, you crummy piece of hardware. I have never had a Gorisy. I have no desire to dwarf someone in a Flendish manner or any other manner. All I want to do is put a bullet into Herbert Magnuson. Understand? All I want to do is kill Magnuson. Lie down, Mr. Caswell. We'll go over it again. My dear man, I'm not trying to insinuate that the Jet Bus Authority hires alcoholics. If you will just... Any uh, luck? It's a dead end. Now, Haskins. Yes, sir. A man's life may be at stake here. Now, think. Was there anything else this fellow said to you? Anything? Well, he did mention the name of his friend. Of which friend? The one he was going to kill. The one he... Why didn't you say so? Now, what was it? Um, uh, Magnuson. You sure? That's it. He said, I'm going to kill Magnuson. You know, just casually like that. Follows me. See if there's a Magnuson in the Manhattan phone book. Now, hurry it up. Yes, Mr. Caswell, you were saying? Well... Something about your Gorisy? Yes, I was saying I... I think perhaps you're right. Naturally. But right about what, Mr. Caswell? Well, I think perhaps... Yes, I think perhaps I do remember my Gorisy. Ah, now, Mr. Caswell, we're on the road to a cure. Mr. Magnuson? Yes? Do you know a short, angry-looking, red-haired man? I might. Uh, thank heaven. Or I might not. Can you tell us where to locate him? You're a process server, huh? Certainly not. Don't kid me. Mr. Magnuson, this man is trying to kill you. Go on, you're full of happy pills. Elwood's my best friend. Elwood? He loves me like a brother. And if you think I'm going to stick some process server on Mr. Magnuson, I'm not a process server. Your friend Elwood is a psychopathic killer. You're his intended victim. Can you get that through your thick skull? I'm trying to save your life. Yes? You're Elwood Caswell? Yes. The Elwood Caswell who bought a Rex regenerator early this afternoon? Yes. Won't you come in? Thank you. My name is Rath, Planetary Motors. Nice to meet you. Uh, have you, uh, used the machine? Oh, yes. I see. Now, Mr. Caswell, I, uh, I don't know how to explain this, but, uh, we made a terrible mistake. The regenerator you took was a Martian model for giving therapy to Martians. I know. You do? Yes, it became pretty obvious after a while. Well, it was a, it was a dangerous situation, especially for a man in... Your condition? Yes, the poor thing tried its best, but of course it couldn't cure what wasn't there. Well, then the uh, the company will, of course, reimburse you for your lost time and your well, your mental anguish. Naturally. And we will uh, substitute a regular uh, human-type regenerator. Oh, that won't be necessary. You see... Uh, Mr. Caswell, you put down that gun. I warn you. I'm not going to shoot you. I merely want to turn this gun over to you. You do? Yes, I'm not going to shoot anybody. Do you mean that the machine's attempt at therapy forced me to reappraise my whole self? There was an insight during which I was able to get rid of my obsession. You no longer want to kill your friend Magnuson? Kill Magnuson? Why, I haven't the faintest urge. Well, I... I, I must say, then, that uh, it worked out for the best. I, uh... I'll get back to the store and have him pick up this machine in an hour and... Oh, well, sir... Oh, uh, don't forget to take this gun. I... I won't need it. Well, of course. Uh, well, nice to have met you, sir. Uh, good evening. Good evening. Did you hear that? He asked me if I still intended to kill Magnuson. 
Magnuson, that inhuman monster who cut down my Gorosy. Magnuson, the man who even now is secretly planning to infect New York with abhorrent fiend desire. Am I going to kill him? Oh, no. I wish him a long life, a life filled with a torture I can now inflict on him. Kill Magnuson? Oh, no. I'm going to start right now to dwarf him in a lendish manner. You have just heard X-1 presented by the National Broadcasting Company in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine. Transcription X-1 has brought you Bad Medicine, a story from the pages of Galaxy written by Finn O'Donovan and adapted for radio by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were Cliff Carpenter, Bill Britton, Alan Manson, Charles Webster, Carl Weber, and Joseph Julian. Norman Rose was heard as the machine. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Bob Maurer and is an NBC Radio Network production. X-1, on tuned to yesterday from the 10th of July, 1956 on NBC. And that brings the curtain down on this hour of science fiction. On Tuned to Yesterday, be sure to be with us next time for more great programs from Radio's Past. Until our next hour together, I'm Mark Livonier. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>